Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about vocation and ministry here in Portland, Oregon. I'm David Libby. And I'm Josh Hawk. And today we got a special guest, a uh, guy named Josh Duncan, an elder, elder at Red Sea? Yes. Not a pastor, S- technically. Well, technically, staff elder is my role. Staff elder at yes. Red Sea Church. Yes. Thanks for being here. Yeah, glad to be here. So, uh, tell us how you got to Portland, because you uh, are from... Where, Not where Portland. Are you from? Not L- L- I, L.A., Lower Alabama. <laughs> Lower Alabama. See, I was, I was, I knew it wasn't Atlanta, but I couldn't think of any other word but Atlanta right there. Alabama. That's okay. That's okay. Alabama. So uh, you came out here how many years ago? Uh, we moved out in the summer of 2007. Uh, I'm from Mobile, Alabama. Uh, we actually moved from Texas uh, and then moved up here. So I spent a little bit of time, did, did my time in seminary in Texas and then came from there to Portland. Nice. So what brought you to Portland? Um, when we were looking at graduating from seminary, um, I felt the South was a little saturated when it came to pastors. <laughs> that there's not a lack of churches. And so uh, we started asking around and we were like, where is like the pagan haven of the United States. Like, where's the unreached people group? That is what we call ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> the pagan haven. And everybody was like, you know, anywhere on the West Coast, you know, go, go to the West Coast. So so we were looking like west of Texas was kind of our, our standard, anywhere west of Texas. And so we visited like all the big, you know, metro areas on the West Coast, went to L.A., went to San Francisco. The and, other L.A. Yeah, the other, the real L.A. And, uh, and then we... Uh, we visited here in Portland, and it was so funny because we came in March of twenty of uh, two thousand seven, and it was like like March weather is around here. It was like mm-hmm. horrible; it was rainy and cold. And we spent three days in a minivan, you know, riding around. And God just said, "Yep, this is where I want you guys." And so that summer, we packed everything up and mm-hmm. put my uh, my oldest at the time, Madison, was eight months. And we drove from Texas up here and didn't know anybody. Didn't wow. <laughs> just did the. It's like not a great way to start, by the way. Like, don't move someplace where you don't know anyone. Uh, and yeah, that, that was you're gonna, you that know. was a bold move. Yeah, so you didn't have any connections before you moved. Uh, I knew one guy who lived in Vancouver who had lived in my hometown. Okay, but we weren't like friends. Uh, and I and when we moved up, when we visited here in March, I called him like, "Hey, I'm coming up there. Can I like crash at your place?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." So. Uh, that was it. We didn't have any other any other connections. Wow. Um, so tell me about. You said there's a saturation of churches. When I was in Tennessee, I remember seeing um, church here, another church sharing the same parking lot, church two uh, two blocks down, church a couple blocks more down the street. Was it like that? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 The churches are are larger, obviously, than, than they are here. We had this kind of running joke when I would leave my house to, because I was on staff at a, at a large church back in my hometown, and I would leave my house on the way to my church. We would literally pass 40 churches before, <laughs> you know, the 15 minutes that I got to my church. And like that's kind of the, the South. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just large, large churches all over the place. And I had this perception that actually moving up here, there was like no churches. And the yeah, funny thing yeah. is about anyone that comes from outside of the Pacific Northwest. They really think there's no churches up right. here. And then you get up here and there are. I mean, there right. are 
there are actually lots of churches up here. It's just not a part of the culture. And you don't see nearly as many large churches in the urban centers. Mm, right. you, know, you get out in the get out in the burbs, you see them, but not here in the city. Yeah, so tell us what those first few months or first couple of years were like, because you said that was kind of a shock for you. There yeah. are churches, uh, you know, serving God, doing... Um, uh, doing work, worshiping together. Like, what what were some of your perceptions that turned out to be exactly right, and what were some that turned out to be different yeah, than you Portland, expected? Really, that pagan haven that that you had. I mean, it is to an extent, you know. But mm-hmm. what was it the same? Did your reality meet expectations in that sense? Uh, in in a couple of ways, yes. The, it's definitely a a non church culture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just not, people don't move here even thinking about going to church. If anything, they move here to be away from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought they would be a little more anti-church. You sure. know, I was prepared for that. They're really not even that. No. They just don't care. You know, it's not like we have a great reason why not to, you know, be a part of a church. Mm-hmm. They just, it's just not a part of their life and their culture. So, you know, that was was a big shock coming from a, a culture in the South where the church is just kind of a part of life. Right. Everybody kind of goes to church, you know, and, and one way that's good because it helps make ministry more, have more resources in ministry, more successful in ministry, but it's also a bit of a hindrance because then there's not much difference between my, my life uh, in, as a part of the church community and, and my life outside of it. So it kind of makes it real blurry, you yeah. know. Uh, up here, what I've appreciated is people are like, this is what it means to be a Christian, and everybody kind of knows that. Uh, there's not as much of that blurriness, and so people up here are Christian, or they know they're not Christians, mm-hmm. and they are intentional about that. Mm-hmm. In the South, you find a whole lot of people who think they're actually Christians because they go to church, but they're not, right? Yeah. And right. so, it at pastoring in the two contexts is, is very different. So that was hard. Um, you know, one of the, the hard of the hard things about moving up here is Portland was not nearly as uh, welcoming as i thought it would be yeah i've heard that you know coming from a place in the south it's incredibly hospitable and yeah the south is hospitable but only if you're like them you know the the south has like this impression of hospital southern hospitality yeah unless you're not you know republican yeah. <laughs> you know or, or something like that, then you are you are really not welcome in mm-hmm. in, in certain circles up here it, it was just harder to get into new circles of relationships. Mm. Uh, we moved into a really large apartment complex, and and I'm a pretty gregarious guy. And you know, I was talking to my neighbors, and you know, the first uh, Labor Day rolled around, and we're like, we're going to do a barbecue, you know. And so we, you know, got the smoker out and invited all of our neighbors, and you know, and people were like, oh yeah, it'll, you know, we'd love to come and stuff like that. And we get the table set. And nobody shows up. Mm. And that was Whoa. the worst feeling of like sitting mm. in my apartment with all this food mm. and nobody and comes. And you're like, oh my God, what have we done? Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's painful. Yeah. That's yeah. painful. It is a different kind of, uh, I, I, I mean, it's cultural here. I run a lot and I try to intentionally wave at or say hi to people when I walk mm. by. And I think the ratio is probably one out of 15 will not put their heads down and not make eye contact at all like there it's it's a very friendly culture but there's also like a wall there Mm -hmm. 
and you know mm-hmm. people people are scared to get too close well, yeah. people definitely have their guard up and it takes a long time for, for yeah. them to lower that guard and that was something we realized even after being here a short period of time that th- this is going to take a long time mm-hmm. to do what mm-hmm. what we feel god calls to do there's not going to be like any anything quick or anything easy and so even now like i i continue to meet church planners that are constantly you know moving into portland um i came out of the southern baptist context and and although i'm not a southern baptist now i'm still kind of known by those guys and so every time a new southern baptist church planner moves up here they're like hey you need to talk to josh because he's there you know and i'll meet with these guys and tell them you know let me hear your plan you know (laughs) and they'll always have their plan it was you know the five-year plan like i had and i'm like all of your timelines like double and triple them because <laughs> that's, you that's, like that's super true. Yeah. And, and then by the way, like find a church, like you need to find an established mm. church. If you're going to make it in this town yeah. and join that church. Mm. And most of them are like, it's good talking to you. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then sure enough, you know, a couple of years later, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh, that guy's, that guy's going back to the South. I'm like, yeah. 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 It's, um, I've, I've heard repeatedly from church planners and I won't out any names, but, uh, when, uh, they say now when people ask him, like, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about planning a church. They just say, maybe don't, (laughs) (laughs) maybe, I, I mean, you can, but it's, it's going to take everything you got and the results won't be what you think they will be. God will work in it. But it's not going to be what you think. Yeah, and yeah, so. and, you, and, and you're coming out of a lot of these guys are coming out of seminaries that aren't in the culture that they're trying to plant in, right? And they're teaching methods that don't work here. Yeah, and after being here eleven years, I know what doesn't work. Yeah. I'm like an expert at what, what doesn't, doesn't work, work. <laughs> out, out in Portland because uh-huh. you know we've we've tried everything over the years. The only thing that that I can, aside from a obviously a powerful move of God, yeah. The only thing that I believe works is long term, low key, yeah. relational. Yeah, yeah. Those three things will work in Portland, but if you're a church planner, you're going to run out of funding before yeah. you ever get there, right? And your wife's going to be miserable, by the way, and it's going to be a really hard journey. So, find a church, plug yeah. into a local church serve through that church and even plant through that church. That's the only way that it works that I, that I've seen it work out here. Hmm. Sure. Sure. It, we've run, we've run into that. Like the, the theme, I, I'd say like the overall theme of this, this podcast, we're into like into episode 20 or something now into the twenties. And it comes back to that. It doesn't matter, you know, if they're in ministry or out of ministry is like, Hey, you know, it's, it, it's rooted in relationship and then you got to be in it for the long haul too. Um, and it, it's not just this, this quick, quick turnaround and that's hard. Yeah. Um, and you see, uh, because the successes, you know, like with the, typically I think our world, our, our American culture, it doesn't value, um, it doesn't value those slow kind of relationships yeah. but we want we're not like a crock pot style you know mentality but we we want things fast we want things big we want <laughs> things now um, we don't want to have to work terribly hard for them i like that crock pot ministry yeah that's, that's what we're going for the slow cooker ministry. yeah <laughs> that's actually a great metaphor yeah. and it actually like it 
you cook things down too, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I heard there was a, a pastor I think two years ago of a larger church in Portland where he he used the phrase "growing smaller." Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, that's it's kind of interesting. There's some interesting connotations there, but yeah, you you had a bit of a hot take a couple of uh, years ago. You said you were at a at a conference and they were talking about how to how to make your church big and you were talking about North Portland and you, didn't you say something like uh, Tim Keller couldn't come here and grow a huge church yeah. in I North did. Portland it was, in the, it was actually yeah it was in one of the suburbs here and, and it and wasn't well received it wasn't yeah like the people in the surrounding areas are like no 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 in North Portland I bet if Tim Keller came and planted a church it would be really big I'm like I don't know yeah. well, I was talking with uh, the pastor of a of a, a larger successful urban church here in Portland a couple of years ago, and uh, and I was like, "Have you guys ever thought about like planting out in North Portland?" Because they were at that time looking to plant in another area of the city, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, he's like, we looked into it, but but we don't believe that it would work out there mm-hmm. that our that that our type of ministry would work." And that was huge to me because I'm like, "This is a church that knows how to do it." That's saying it won't work in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so it's been it's been hard for me to kind of wrap my mind around exactly what it is that that makes North Portland so so unique and I and like I don't want to I don't want to call it unique just to justify my insecurities as like right. a a not yeah. large church pastor. But I mean even when Red Sea had a, a very gifted communicator, yeah. right? Uh, who was was really drawing a crowd for a season right. it wasn't even sustainable it 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 it, it couldn't it, it didn't last and in the 11 years that I've been here I have done ministry alongside some really talented guys yeah, yeah. I mean way more talented than I am yeah. preachers creative and I've seen them come and I've seen them go mm. I'm like man that says a lot about our neighborhood and the challenge it is to do ministry out here yeah that's like I've thought of you know red sea and i was around with you know for the inception of that and like red sea was it was the church in north portland you know like it was the hip church and it's still really cool by the way thank you Um, (laughs) um, but like there if if anything you know were just to explode you know and and be the next mega church like it it had everything in place to be able to do that yeah and i think that you know part of me thinks that we still do in the fact that when Red Sea was 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 really growing, and we had two services, and, and we were kind of known in the area, I think we were a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it was that depth that wound up started the church was starting to die, hmm. and so we really we were attracting a crowd, but we weren't really making disciples, mm-hmm. and so we then really changed our strategy and had this seven year push to really make disciples and to grow the people of God, for them to own the mission and to not mm-hmm. live vicariously through you know, a gifted communicator mm-hmm. or anything like that. So now, years later, we find ourselves like a mile deep, but unfortunately, we're only an inch wide. Mm-hmm. We just don't have the influence that we once had. But I think we're, we're primed that if God ever did yeah. want to do something, mm-hmm. we have the resources there. We have the leadership there, you know, so. Well, it's more sustainable. Oh, yeah. It would, it would be sustainable. It is now. I mean, we don't right. worry. We can pay. We pay our bills. You know, we have home communities. We're discipling our people. We're raising up leaders. And we have guys that are going into the ministry and we're, yeah. and we're training them up. What we don't have is a big pool, you know, yeah. a big influence. And and I'm okay with that 
because none of us do. Right. <laughs> you know, like, right. In this true. community, you know, and that can't be the goal. Right. Right. It can't be the goal to to try to grow a crowd. Like you said at your, I'll never forget what you said at your dad's uh, retirement here. You're like, the goal's faithfulness. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. And and the thing that keeps me from packing up my bags and moving back to Alabama is these people that God's given me to shepherd. Am I being faithful? Am I making disciples? That's, that's, that's the goal, you know, stop looking at what everybody else is doing. You know, I, I stopped going to the conferences. I really did. I stopped reading the books. Good. You know, I was like, this is not helping at all. All this is doing is making me covet my neighbor's possessions, you know, and, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to ingrain myself and be a part of the community. So let's let's pull back just a little bit because I find your story super interesting, and um, and I know that you will probably need to you know cover up names or or parts mm-hmm. of the story, and that's fine. Um, but what Red Sea was sounds a lot like how you described churches in Texas, not not all churches, mm-hmm. but of course like church culture where it's big churches drawing in a crowd but a lot of people really doesn't don't know what it means to be a christian and to live as a disciple so um you started to see that happening at red sea Mm -hmm. and you said there was this seven year push i mean that's a that's a long-term thinking big undertaking Mm -hmm. what did that change look like what did that shift look like how did people respond? What were some of the hurdles? I mean, how, what what kind of happened there over that seven years? Yeah. So one, I think one of the things that helped us the most is uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Stephen Dilworth posted something on the St. John's Facebook page, or no, on his Facebook page, and he said he said something like, uh, "Too many times, as pastors and, and and leaders, we spend our time on the what, right? Yeah." But we don't spend our time on the why or the how. Yeah. Okay. And and that and that post really resonated with me because it got me thinking uh, about what we tried to do at Red Sea is because in the early days we've spent a lot of time on the what, mm. which was the 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 mission when it actually flushes itself out. Uh, you know, every I think every church has the same mission. Um, they should if they're a biblical church. A part of your mission right. is about God. A part of your mission is you know about your relationship with each other inside of the community. And then a part of it, the church community. And then a part of your mission should be about your relationship with your culture, the right. community you find yourself in. Mm-hmm. We all have the same mission. We just use different words, right? Yep. Great commandment, great commission, great confession, all that stuff. Yep. Um, we spend an exorbitant amount of time on the what, mm-hmm. but we didn't do the why. Why are we doing these things? And even the who, right? So when... Uh, when we realized that that Red Sea was just kind of like spinning its wheels, and we really weren't going anywhere, and it wasn't sustainable long term, uh, we had to go back and strategically like teach the people why are we doing these things, mm-hmm. and we're even going to have to like stop doing some of these things for a little while, and some things are going to have to die in order for us to then rebirth them and let them be a lot healthier. So we had this mission on the outside. And basically what we did is we went back and said, okay, let's start with the gospel. And we spent a long time mm. just looking at the gospel, you know, Trinitarian theology. Um, what, you know, who is God and what has he done? Like, we need to know God 
if we're going to then be able to be obedient to the things that he's called us to do. So I think we, the church spends a lot of time talking about the who we are and what we should do, but you can do the right things for all the wrong reasons and it mm-hmm. won't be sustainable. So we went back and we spent a lot of time talking about the gospel. Uh, we also spent, went back and spent a lot of time talking about identity, like like the before we do anything, there's this identity that we should act out of. And so we came up with these three identities of the church of, of servant, family, and ambassador. So our relationship with God, how we view that relationship is servant, right? That's ultimately who we are before God. How me and you view our relationship inside the church community, we're family, Right. And how we view our relationship with this culture is as as an ambassador. Mm-hmm. So then that becomes the identity that we act out of. And then we introduced like path, what we called pathways to the mission. Like, what does that actually look like? And so, you know, for for uh, so I'm kind of walking through our mission here. I know someone you asked, but when it comes to the the that's the who or the the why, the gospel, the who, the people of God, the how which is these pathways that we came up with. And so when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to, uh, we use the, the language, um, draw to Christ. Uh, the pathways for that are, are scripture, prayer, and worship, right? And those are, our, those are not, they're not like all encompassing, but those are the three that are very important, uh, scripture, prayer, and worship. And then when it came to the pathway for us developing into a community as Christians, it's about peacemaking, it's about serving, and it's about, uh, celebration. Those are our three pathways. So we spent a lot of time talking about those. And then when it came to um, deploying the culture as ambassadors, the three pathways were service, or were hospitality, service, and evangelism, right? So we have these nine pathways as a church. Uh, so basically, we just, we spent a long time clarifying. And Royce, one of the elders at, at our church, is, is just an amazing strategic thinker, just long-term thinker and disciple maker. And, and he said, You're, we're going to have to say this for five years, and it will take five years of you saying the same thing over and over again before the people actually start listening. It's not wrong. And, and, and start changing. <laughs> and I was like, it's not going to take five years. Like, come on. And sure enough, like, it amazed me that after four years of doing this, people are like, oh, that's, that's what you're supposed to be doing. I'm like, we've been saying that for years, but it, it just takes that long. And, right. and so you just keep like, saying the same thing over and over and over again. And eventually either people get on board or they leave, right? Mm, right. And, and there was a lot of leaving in those early years. There really was. But the people that stuck around, man, they're on board. And they're, they're committed to what we're doing. Did you... Uh, I mean, we've had, we've had seasons where quite a few people seem to leave the church. Um, how do you keep your optimism at those times because we've talked about that a, a lot of the pastors around here have been talking about that lately yeah. um how how did you keep your optimism at that time yeah or did you yeah i think the one of the biggest things is and and this would this would we could start a little interesting conversation here about this topic because i know you guys are going to agree with me uh red sea does not have a lead pastor okay mm-hmm. uh we made that choice intentionally because we don't think you can make a biblical argument for a lead pastor out of the New Testament. So anyway, sure. we, that would be an interesting no, conversation. Fine. We don't have to have that one now because it would be a long one. And, and this, sure. I've had this conversation with many guys when they, when they ask about it. What the biblical model we feel of the New Testament is a plurality of elders, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a group of men leading a local church with no superstar, right, at the center. Jesus is our lead pastor at Red Sea, and the rest of us are just elders under his shepherding leading the church, right? So then the problem is when you're the lead pastor, and 
and it's not successful, right. you're a failure. Yeah. Right. But when you're a part of a plurality of elders and you're all operating inside of your gifting, you have these other men that you can lean on that can be that can carry the load with you uh, and encourage you on a regular basis. So like this afternoon, I'm gonna get together with with the other elders at Red Sea. And those guys have been like, they've been my rock. You know, the guys that, that, I've, that, that have walked with me in ministry and that uh, as the full-time staff guy at Red Sea, I get that the buck stops here, sure. right? I mean, I gotta, I, gotta own, I gotta own what Red Sea is, if anybody does, because I get paid the full-time and I devote the most amount of time to what it is. But then when discouragement, you know, starts to set in, and it does, you know, about once a year, uh, I get really discouraged. Sure. I have those guys; they're there with me. So that's been hmm. that that's been real real helpful for me. Um, and the other thing that that's been real helpful for me is to think about like my personal responsibility in disciple making. Like, who has God placed? You know, mm-hmm. for me to disciple. Uh, I don't know if you've read the book, uh, "The Master's Way of Evangelism." I think it's by a guy named Chapman. I think R.C. Chapman wrote that. Master Plan of Evangelism. Master's or, Plan of Evangelism. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a little small book, right? Yeah. Um, he looks at Jesus and he says, "You know, Jesus. Jesus made disciples. He had the three, he had the twelve, and he had the crowd. Right. Right. And so that was a real. That was helpful for me to start looking like that. And so, you know, I have the three. I have a group of guys that I spend an exorbitant amount of time discipling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose those guys specifically because uh, they weren't going anywhere. Right. They were from Portland." Uh, and what Red Sea needed was elders from this culture. Hmm. Now, I'm from Alabama. Royce was from Rochester, right? Sure. We needed local guys. And so we chose guys who weren't going anywhere. They were from Portland. Um, that, was, that was a big requirement. And we chose guys who were teachable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think too many times in ministry, we choose guys that are like talented, right? Yeah. And, and I love talented. But the problem with talented they're rarely teachable. Huh. You know, like that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't they didn't yeah. get, you know, they right. when they're talented, that's because you've like arrived somewhere. Yeah. And and I'm like, you know what? I'll take teachable over talented any day of the week. Mm. Yeah. And I think Jesus said the same thing, right? He didn't he didn't like choose the talented guys. You know, he chose the ones who are who are teachable. So Well, they were talented at fishing. Yeah, that's right. And and he made them talented, you know. I mean, yeah. God did great things through them. You know, Jesus did great things through them. So I have those group of guys that that I that I disciple. And then I have my, you know, my kind of my 12, which is just a, a it's the uh, I kind of consider them the leadership at Red Sea. I spent a lot of time with the leadership at Red Sea developing those leaders to do ministry. And I send them out on a regular basis, right? Coming in, we learn I send them back out. So just a regular rhythm of doing that. And then I have the crowd, which is Sunday morning, you know, and the people that we that we teach on Sunday morning. And so I just, I'm like, okay, these are my three audiences and I'm going to devote myself to these three. And and if everybody will do this inside the church and I can reproduce this, then we'll, we'll have disciples making disciples mm-hmm. instead of just like this one person, right. you know, kind of carrying the load. So that, that, that helps. Like at the end of the day, am I making disciples? Yes then the fruit that comes out of that is God's, right? That's right. Um, Apollos, or Paul planted, mm-hmm. Apollos watered, God made it grow. Mm-hmm. If Red Sea ever grows and we start really making, you know, a numeric impact on this community, it'll be because God decided to do that. Yeah. You know, not me. Right. You know, they won't be there because of like, you know, this guy and all his antics up on the stage and stuff like that. 
that it'll 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 be you know something that'll be sustainable. And if it doesn't, that's okay. You know, I'll, I'll pastor a hundred people the rest of my life. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's a much healthier way of looking at it, and it it's been a nice training and shielding from uh you becoming really egocentric yeah. about your own ministry and sure. your ministry and and that's one thing when when you said when you were talking about uh elders versus pastor i wouldn't i'd love to have that conversation at some time i don't i don't know that i agree or disagree with you right now i like <laughs> okay. i it it is it is probably more of a cultural thing than a than a biblical thing necessarily but um but two things can happen. Uh, one is you take the load of everything right. and become really isolated. And the other thing we're seeing happen a lot is um, that isolation and power can lead to uh, fallen pastors. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. both of those things were, you know, we see a lot of, unfortunately. So, yeah, I say it, it's important. It's essential. Even, you know, using the lead pastor role, like, okay, we still have to actually function pragmatically. Oh, yeah, it's very pragmatic. Know, it works. With, with a, but we still have to function, I think, much like a, um, oh, a more community-led, you know, or using, you can't just have, oh, I, I think of, of me right now, you know, like, and we have, we have a team of four or five. And then I also have kind of our church board. It's like these, these people I need, I need to solicit them to help keep me accountable. And then to share the load on that too, you know, to say, Hey, you know, like we got to get together. We got to really spend some time in prayer and we got to encourage one another. Um, And so it's essential to have, have those core people who can really take, take ownership as well so it's not just kind of you drawing the crowd yeah Um, and and if we had that conversation most the conclusion that most guys come to is they tell me you know basically you're a lead pastor you just don't use that title sure (laughs) and that's true like pragmatically the job still has to be done like somebody's still got to do it and i'm the guy that that does it at red sea but the benefit of not using the title is the people you deny them a, a leader to vicariously live through, hmm. right? Hmm. And unfortunately, in this culture of entertainment yeah. and of vicariously living through others, right? I mean, you watch sports as you know as football comes around, and we're gonna and people because we're made to worship, right? Hmm. We're just a, yeah. a we're 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 also an idol factory, right? Right? We just find things to worship, and unfortunately. We in this culture we love to worship leaders. Like we mm-hmm. love to put people up there, uh, sports, movies, music, politicians, and Christians are horrible. They're like worse than non-believers about worshiping leaders, like worshiping a particular person. And so what we did is we just, at least in the title, we denied them that. We're like, look, mm-hmm. I am not, I am not here to do this mission and for you to like sit on the sidelines and cheer. Right, yeah. you, you are not a spectator at Red Sea. I am not the team. You know, we together are the people of God. And if this mission is going to get accomplished, it's because all of us are doing it. And if we close our doors because you guys refuse to embrace the mission of God, praise God! Right? There's one less unbiblical yeah. church out there. You know, that's, right. that's just messing the whole thing up. <laughs> right. That's uh, that's true. We talked. Uh, who did we talk to? Uh, was it Brewer? 
who was saying, you know, at, yeah, yeah. at times, if a, if a church isn't carrying out the mission that they were originally supposed to do, let it die. Yeah, well, yeah that's, that's fine. David Brewer's mentality, I think, with any organization or business or anything. is like, it's okay for things to die. There's seasons, you know, of um, of life, and mm-hmm. and it's all right to let go of some things. Right. Um, so you, you've been, um, doing this, this change, uh, when this change started, this, we're seeing shallowness, let's, um, let's start communicating the, uh, the why and the how more, um, that was, that was when maybe 2010, um, 2011. So the, the lead pastor, Sean, he left the church to plant another church in the summer of 2011. Uh, we had already moved to a plurality of eldership at that time, which was helpful uh, that he did that with us so yeah. that the church could, you know, like weather that storm a little easier. Right. But then when he left and we chose not to hire another lead pastor, you know, because I was already an elder at the church at the time. Yeah. You know, I was already on staff. I was already... Um, with those guys and and basically as he was heading out the door it was so funny we still joke around about it today he sent us like 30 resumes of guys to replace him you know and really talented guys i mean like josh white hadn't planted door of hope now he's like there's this guy josh white that you guys should like come and come to red sea and replace him and we were like wait 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 like we're not looking to replace you at least not with with you and i think when we didn't do that some of the people at red sea could not function without that guy. Sure. Yeah. And, and I get that. Like he was so, like the pastor, the, especially the lead pastor, you know, you guys, you're a big reason that the people are even at your church. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. You're a big part of that. And when you, when that person leaves, it's just hard, but it's even harder when that person leaves and you don't replace them, hmm. you know, but we didn't like, we didn't think there was anything wrong with our mission. Uh, we thought like we were, and we told the church, hey, we're not going to do anything different aside from we're going to start team teaching instead of like this one guy up there all the time. Uh, we're going to start a, a rotation of preachers, which I love, by the way. I think it's phenomenal, um, which that's mm-hmm. a whole nother rabbit trail we can talk about. Well, um, you're doing that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's that. I just, I love that. I love the variety. Yeah. Uh, it also right. keeps your church from becoming too one man centric. It does. You know, um, is, is really helpful. So when we made that decision, that was a big one to, to not do that. Um, but we lost half the church in that wow. decision. Wow. And it's not like I lost half of these people I didn't know. I lost a hundred friends mm. in the matter of about two years. And that was hard. And they were all like, hey, it's not you. You know, we just, God just wants us to go do this other thing. And really that other thing was there's a particular way of doing church and you guys aren't doing church the way that we yeah. want to do church. And so like peace. Right. And that was, that was hard. Right. I mean that, that, that still brings tears to my eyes. Like thinking about these people that I, that I loved and I walked with that just like so easily left. Right. And we hadn't even done anything that different in, in the church. And then you can't help but like, you're the reason they're leaving. Like, hey, you're that guy up there, by the way, that's that's going. So that started, like we feel like 2011, that decision started turning the church, you know? And it takes a long time to turn a big ship, right? Not that we're large in size. It just, you know, it just, you know, it just yeah. takes forever. I love sitting out here on Kelly Point Park. We love taking our kids out there to the park and we'll sit there and you know, the big Honda boats will come in and they'll unload. 
but then they're too big to turn around in the river. And so they'll bring these tugboats and they'll just reel these little bitty tugboats yeah. to like real slowly like turn the Honda ship so that it can go back out, you know, go back across the sea. And that's, I love watching that because I'm like, yep, it takes a long time to turn it. But now I feel like we've turned and the people who are there today believe in what we're doing more than, you know, I think it ever had, but it, it did take like, I mean, we're seven years later yeah. and that's, that's just, most guys, I don't want to say that, God can do anything, but if you've had a two, a three to five year time plan, like you're not going to make it. You're not going to be able to do anything in that time mm. period. You got to think longer term than that. Sure. And then you can make something happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think what, what this deepening can do, uh, you know, it's, it's hard not to take personal when a bunch of people say, oh, God's calling me to something else. Mm. But, but when you hear it 50 times, yeah. you start to think, well, <laughs> is he? Or, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. or, or uh, are, are you not happy? Um, I mean, realistically, we talk all the time about, you know, in the church about consumerism Mm -hmm. and this mentality of like, well, I need what speaks to me and what's good for me and what I enjoy, whether it's the preaching or the music or the, or the people or the, or the vibe or the, or the, the chill atmosphere or what, what have you, it's it's a very specific thing that, that people want. And if, if you aren't getting it here, well, go to the church down the sure. street. Maybe they have it. Yeah, it'll be out and, there somewhere. And this, this depth that's needed in, in the church, um, part of it is, uh, you know, just reminding people, what's the church? Is it something for you yeah. uh, to, to hit all the right buttons and, and make you happy or, or um, is, is being challenged and being uncomfortable a, an important part of being a Christian? Mm-hmm. Uh, being, being among people you don't like. Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's how the church um, originally was. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, I think the part of your story that like every time I hear it, I'm like, yeah, that it was, it was a bold move. It was a gutsy move, but, but man, like the, the church, the, the greater church, um, needs more of that, more, um, decisions to push against just giving giving people the um all the all the pieces that they want so they're comfortable and happy yeah 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 to 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 see them own the mission yeah that has been i think that should be our goal as pastors like these people need to own this mission not just the staff you know not just the people who are who are paid to do it and that's hard you know that's a that's hard to turn but i really think like i could quit tomorrow and I don't think Red Sea would skip a beat. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I think they would keep going. I, I, I shared this in ministry. I think I was so encouraged this year because I didn't do anything for the Good Friday or Easter service. I didn't right. speak. I didn't, you yeah. know, nothing. And it happened. Everything went just fine. And that's because that's great. You know, like our goal should be to replace ourselves. And if you you can't look around, like Jesus always, like in his mind, was like, "Hey, I'm not going right. to be here. <laughs> so you guys are going to have to do this." And if you if you aren't working to replace yourself, mm-hmm. then you're setting your church up for failure. You know, it, it, at some point, um, you don't have to replace yourself. You know, right. in a month, but think like you know, ten years from now, 
You know, yeah. think think that long term. Start choosing like middle schoolers to like this is going to replace me. Oh, right, that would be cool. Yeah, to to start thinking that long term, and I'm going to start discipling a kid, you know, in order to replace me, you know, at some point, at some point in the future, because, I mean, I mean, you're you're from here, so I'd yeah. be surprised if you ever left. But you're you're not from here, no, you know, and I and I'm not from here. I have a family in Alabama, you know, yeah. I have a family that's been in Alabama for 250 years. I have aging parents and all that, and God may call me back there at some point. I really hope He doesn't. I love Portland, and I would really love to to stay stay here, but but I don't know, and so I have to think, you know, along those lines that you know, I if I, am I replacing myself, and who's kind of the next generation to to lead the church? And you know, the cool thing is, maybe it's our kids that are going to kill it, right? I mean, maybe not kill it in a bad way, in a good way. Maybe <laughs> it's their generation that North Portland's going to like our churches are going to explode, and when they're leading it, and do we really think that long term? about right. success and, yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. So when I, when I thought about discipleship, the, the best image I keep coming back to, and I still use this, is my dad and I's relationship. Like, my dad has been my primary discipler, you know, mm-hmm. my entire life and continues to be. You know, like, and that's a 35-year investment at this point, <laughs> you know, and, and growing and counting. Um, and so it's that kind of longevity, you know, when we think about this generational impact. Um that it's yeah it's definitely not a three to five year but it it takes time i think right now as a church we're going through the book of james in the first chapter he talks about um trials and um in our faith and that's what i i think of that um you know when we have a three to five year period you know or, or, or time commitment we don't allow for those trials that will come that mm-hmm. produce patience and then that um that produces wisdom and a steadfastness um and really a you know a a a deep genuine faith um that i don't i don't know i don't know if it's possible apart from the trials and tribulations especially reading reading through james james doesn't say if trials but it's it's when yeah um you know and of course we see peter talking about suffering as well and um and we're definitely not in a a martyrdom kind of uh culture but there are there's a lot of trials that we face just mentally and i think of pastors or, or leaders um i think it's it's not just in the church but um, you see this in in organizations. You see this, I think, in small businesses as well, and in larger businesses. As part of kind of a larger corporation for a while, where I'd see my supervisors and managers like they're just burning out. Um, but we, uh, yeah, we we don't allow for uh, for for failure or for trials to to greatly impact us and we're not we're not patient enough right um well so we're we're about to wrap up here because i know you got a meeting to go to but um uh do you, what what kinds of things do you see on the horizon for red sea or for the church in north portland altogether well as our neighborhood changes you know um socially and economically like in one way, we're in a really good place because we're in a desirable neighborhood that people are moving into. 
you know, it's, it's really yeah. growing. I, I don't know about you guys, but I haven't exactly seen those people <laughs> filing into my church, you know, like as our neighborhood right. has changed, it's not like my church is necessarily getting bigger, but at least I know there's, there's lots of people moving in and lots of new people and, you know, that's awesome. Like, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad there's it's there. a new there. life in the community yeah. for sure. So that gives me hope um, that like, I, I don't know if you guys ever do this, just like, go to a, go to a pub or go walking down Lombard and there's just so many people, right? Right. So, so many. many. <laughs> so and, and very few of them are a part of any church community. Which I think I of like North what the Portland. amount is, but it's not like they're driving out of this community to go to church, right? right? They moved into this community, so they didn't have to drive out of this community. Yeah. That's a big part of this community. And the people that do visit my church are because they want to go to a local church, mm-hmm. right? And they'll, they'll come and check it out. Um, we don't see a whole lot of them stick around, yeah. right? They'll come, they'll check it out because we still kind of are the, the younger church, you know, in, in, in North Portland, um, us young 40 year olds now we used to be, you know, used to be 30 year olds. Um, so we still are the younger church. So we still have those people that come. Um, if they're going to stay, it's because God is going to be doing something right. I mean, when the spirit starts to move in any of our churches and I pray it, it will really move powerfully in one of our churches. Like that'd be awesome. If, if it did, I think it did at Red Sea at one point. Like I remember walking in the doors of the church the first Sunday I ever visited and physically feeling hmm. the Holy Spirit, like, wow. like walking into a, you know, a, an oven. You could just like feel it, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't deny that God was, was really working during that time. And we saw you know, up to 50% of the church come to Christ during that time, like, but it was pastored by an evangelist, which yeah. helped, right? Right. Dur- during that time. And so I would love for God to, to really move powerfully in, in, in one of our churches again. And, and I'd be all about that, however form it happens, because I want to see, you know, the kingdom advance here in the neighborhood, but that's up to God, yeah. you know, I'm going to be faithful. Uh, the elders of Red Sea, we believe in what we're doing. We believe in our structure. We're raising up leaders. We're calling people to the mission, uh, we're trying not to do it poorly, right? <laughs> like, you can't do, you know, music poorly in Portland. You can't do public right. speaking poorly in Portland in a, in a culture of TED Talks, right? So the things that are in our control, we are constantly working on. And the things that are out of our control are never outside of God's. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do whatever he wants to do in, in our church. You know, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to stress. I don't want to have anxiety. Yeah. You know, the first couple yeah. of years when I when I started this job, I was so anxious, man. I lost so much sleep. Yeah. I I would physically make myself sick because I was so worried about, you know, Red Sea and its future and all this stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to rejoice. The Lord is at hand. I will not be anxious about anything, but in everything mm-hmm. through prayer and supplication, I'm going to make my request known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And I just said that to myself until I believed it. And so today, literally, I mean, I'll get up there and preach. And Sunday, this past Sunday, you know, for all of you local church pastors, when we started our gathering, there were 12 people in the room. Yeah. 12 people. Yeah. People don't like to show up on time. <laughs> yeah. And it was, I get it was Especially Labor Day weekend and, and stuff like that. But I literally, 
I, I do not sit in the back of the room because I do not want to know how many people are, are there or not. I'll sit as far up as I can mm-hmm. and I'm going to worship, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I could care less who comes in that door and who doesn't. Now, thankfully, they showed up eventually, you know, after brunch was over and they got a cup of coffee at them. They decided to finally come to church at right. like 1030. So they came, which was awesome. But my, my identity can't rest on these yeah, people's approval yeah. of me if I'm expecting them to have their identity in God too, right? Yeah. And, and like you talked about the trials, my biggest trial at Red Sea has been where do I find my worth? Yeah. And mm. I always thought it was like in what God thinks of me. But then you looked at how I responded mm. and how much I needed these people yeah, to affirm right. me, right? right? It brought out like this dark thing that was in my heart and I was able to kill it, which was awesome. And so now... I don't. I really don't mm. care anymore, and I don't get anxious on Sundays. Mm. You know, I don't. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna be faithful to preach the word. We're gonna accomplish our mission, and whoever God brings, He can bring. That's so. I, you know, I I love that, and I sense that. You know, and, and definitely, you know, over the years that I've known you, Josh, like that, I I've seen that that switch a bit, and it definitely gives us who are maybe a few years younger some hope. <laughs> um, but I've I've wrestled with this in, in over the podcast over a couple different shows. You know, I've talked about this need. Like, do we actually, as humans, do we have this narcissistic need to go through that to be anxious for a season? You know, or that first half of life, um, or can we just arrive to that point and say, yeah, like I. I am completely free of anxiety. I know I completely 100% believe that my worth and value comes from, you know, being made in the image of God, mm-hmm. you know, being loved by him, not by any outcomes. Um, and I, I, I still battle or wrestle with that. I think it's, you know, something that I have to continually be aware of and, you know, continually try to convince my, myself of that maybe, mm-hmm. you know, or, um, I don't know. There seems to be something, you know, in in our humanness that we're kind of we're bent towards that narcissism, you oh, know, sure. initially at least. And definitely, God can God can straighten that out, you know. And as God oh, kind of works in our heart and, and complete surrender and submission, um, there's something beautiful. And I I I see that over and over again, you know, in leaders who have surpassed that three to five year mark you know mm-hmm. who's like yeah i've i've gone through the trials you know i'm i'm in that steadfastness and you know i've seen a lot of ebbs and flows mm-hmm. but i'm just gonna co- hold the course and yeah. it's that faithfulness that i've been called to yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 cool when you're when you're finally able to chop the feet down of your idol mm-hmm. and really see it fall unfortunately oh. another one grows up right sure, yeah. <laughs> there's just another one and so it's it's constantly like you know, the, the I will never arrive anywhere. You know, the rest yeah, of my life, right, right. I am I'm on this journey of becoming like Christ, and it will take all of my life, and I will never get there. And then ultimately, I'll you know I'll get to be with Him. But yeah. don't like get weary of the journey, yeah, because right. you really do change in the process. Yeah. You know, like I'm a I'm a radically different person today than I was that guy that left Alabama 11 years ago. And I changed on the journey. Yeah, right. You know, like people, I think they want to change. And then do the journey. And then journey. But it's like, no, no, you just got to start journeying. And as you go, you're actually, you're going to change and you're going to wind up exactly where God wants you to be, Mm. you know, and exactly how he wants you to, wants you to be there. You're, you truly are not in control, you know, (laughs) of this whole thing. Be okay with that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, 
man first of all uh chopping the feet off your idols is just such a great yeah. um such a great line uh we it's are the name of this episode yeah right i, I really like slow cooker ministry <laughs> it's so good so good um i i'm just really happy that you decided to come to this pagan wasteland i'm mm-hmm. uh, yeah. i i i appreciate you and your spirit and that whole run that you just had i need to uh listen back to and uh make it part of my life because well, that spoke to me a lot. Um, so we're just so glad you're here. Uh, where can people find you and your church? Uh, what's your website? Is <laughs> so uh, uh, redseachurch.org. Okay. So then you pop up. I noticed you guys always do like a Twitter handle. And so like I even downloaded Twitter because I'm just, I, oh, you I need to get on Twitter. You don't I, have to share this stuff if you don't want. <laughs> well, I haven't gotten one yet. I was like, I have the app, but ah. I've never opened it. So I just look at it and I'm like, yeah, I should do that one of these days. So, so yeah, go on the website yeah. if you're interested. Yeah. We, we have one. Like I have my <laughs> at Josh Hawk PDX. I think I tweet yeah. like once a year or something, but <laughs> I, I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, the, the church one, I just have uh, Facebook post everything mm-hmm. to yep. twitter so so that i only have to run one church thing um so you're on uh facebook yep. and whatnot if if people want to find you yep cool cool um well thanks and so much for being here josh church with the and steep roof they've got the steep roof yep. and they've got the the cool logo i you, you guys are i i get the point of our logo but it looks very dated i i mean i've it's been pretty new too i've you, been talking about like wanting to get something better but, but you man. make up with it with a really cool reader board we do have <laughs> a really, really cool reader board. sayings yeah our our youth pastor man he <laughs> he has the best uh, ideas the first time that he did it uh something weird that i remember was when he he posted I find your lack of faith disturbing Darth Vader. And I, he, he posted it when I wasn't there and put it on Facebook. And I thought, Oh, we're going to get some hate for this, but, but it was done. Oh, it's great. And so I thought, whatever. And we got like serious attempt that got so many, uh, reposts and like, national attention oh, that yeah. that picture yeah. so i he's he's doing a good thing man yeah and i and i with, thought we'd get some hate with so much tension going on a <laughs> yeah. church with a sense of humor right, goes a right. long way right. right that's that's good stuff so yeah yeah absolutely well uh for the unsuccess podcast i'm david i'm josh and we'll see you next time <laughs>